Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Ungs, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. My guest today is comedian, actor, and podcaster David Borey, and his spark is the movie Old School. I love talking to comedians about comedy which is fortunate because that's exactly what this conversation is. So let's get right into it. Quick David facts. David Borey is a comedian, actor, writer, and podcaster based out of Los Angeles, California. In addition to appearances on MTV, Showtime, Viceland, NFL Network, and True TV, he was also named one of Comedy Central's top comics to watch in 2015. As a podcaster, he is the co-host of the wildly popular All Fantasy Everything, as well as newer hit My Mama Told Me. He's written for Comedy Central, Fusion, and the ESPY Awards, and he is the voice of Comedy Central. Quick old school facts. Old School is a 2003 black comedy film directed and co-written by Todd Phillips. The film stars Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, and Will Ferrell as depressed men in their 30s who seek to relive their college days by starting a fraternity and the tribulations they encounter in doing so. Old School is best known for launching Will Ferrell's film career and propelling co-stars Vince Vaughn and Luke Wilson to new levels of success. And there you have it. Without further delay, here comes my chat with David Borey about Old School. With these discussions, the first port of call is always kind of your origin story with what we're talking about. So do you remember seeing Old School for the first time, being turned on to it? Yeah, I remember it really specifically, actually. I, uh, we had, because I didn't, I didn't grow up watching SNL or anything like that. So I had no kind of view on Will Ferrell or anything like that. But my entire football team, like half of us paid to see it and then half of us snuck in. And uh, yeah, it was at the Chinese Man Theater in Aurora, Colorado. And we snuck in to see it. And uh, it was just, it like blew my mind. I had never seen anything at that age that that, that was that funny to me. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was a real, and I saw it with my best friend, still, still my best friend, and we both grew up to be comedians, and I think that had a lot to do with it. That's cool. 
that um the snl piece of it i kind of had the opposite experience like i you know grew up watching snl all the time and i very distinctly remember thinking about will ferrell when he was on that show because i think he was on for like eight eight or nine years right right and thinking like the reason this guy is sticking around is because he's not gonna have anything to do after this like this is it for him he's not gonna go anywhere (laughs) so will ferrell obviously is going to listen to this and i'm i'm sorry yeah no he's a huge listener i mean that's a bummer uh really so you thought you didn't you didn't see his potential as like uh I, I understand that though because the way that he is funny doesn't necessarily scream like leading man. I also think at the time I just thought anyone who sticks around at SNL for that long, the reason they're doing it is because they're worried they're not going to have anything else and that this is like the pinnacle of their career. Now I don't feel that way anymore. Like you know, Keenan Thompson's been on for twenty years or something, and he talks about it all the time. It's just like I love it. I you know I'll keep doing it until they kick me off. But at the time, that Will Will Ferrell image in my mind was like, no, nothing's going to happen. Okay, so you had hard SNL opinions, young. Yeah. So t- <laughs> tough critic, uh, and he proved me wrong. So right. I will admit I was wrong. He's been very successful. I know that that is the last thing that he's been waiting for is my approval. So yeah, and now he can finally just like he can take all the success mm-hmm. and just he can live with himself. You know. Yeah, big sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, you know, it's like a, a starting point for a lot of different things. Like every lead actor in that was not seen as somebody who could carry a comedy before that. And, you know, especially. Yeah, even even Vince Vaughn. People forget that the takeaway from Swingers was really more Favreau and everyone else than it was Vaughn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had just been around. You know, he had been around. He had been in so many movies. Shit, he was in Rudy. But uh, I remember what drew me to that movie so much was just that I think that in the 90s, comedies were still pretty polished as far as the leading guys, right? I mean, you have, like, The Nutty Professor, but even in that, he still got to be Buddy Love. You know what I mean? So it was like, I think I think as far as lead leading men in comedies it was still fairly like they were cool guys and i think that old school was the first time that they weren't they weren't particularly cool right like i remember i remember vince vaughn saying the the part that stuck with me was i built speaker city from the ground up i can barely read and i was like <laughs> at 17 and i was like that was the i didn't even know that was a type of guy you could be yeah successful and not know how to read that was like oh maybe i'll be all right out here you know what i mean right and then like you know frank was <laughs> he was a divorcee <laughs> like <laughs> it just was like yeah it was just it was like a lot of kind of uh what felt like a lot more regular guys. And I think that ushered in the whole Judd Apatow, Seth Rogen type era, where these kind of comedy, maybe anti-heroes is a term, but like, I think that that was the beginning of that. Yeah. And I think it's like what you said, the very particular thing is obviously the concept of an anti-hero existed before that, but like the anti-hero as this kind of like schlubby, normal dude doing, getting put into these ridiculous, outrageous situations. Yeah, it's like Todd Phillips, Adam McKay, uh, Judd Apatow, all those people really coming up in that decade after this. Like this was the springboard for all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing to like launch all these people's careers in that genre and make them 
more famous for that. Like Luke Wilson as well was like, you know, had been in some stuff that was kind of funny, but nothing this like clearly this is a comedy. Right, right. I mean, I love Bottle Rocket, but I don't think that that was the uh, sensation. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And, you know, like Wes Anderson's movies and stuff that are like they have kind of comic stuff to them, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm more of a Wes Anderson fan when Owen Wilson writes with him as far as for like the funny stuff. But no, yeah. But back to this movie, I think it just like. And that's what I used to love about comedy movies coming up that I think that we've lost a little bit is there were like, and maybe this is just because it hit me specifically, but I feel like there used to be zeitgeist movies, like specifically with comedy as a genre. There used to be like that kind of defined the generation of comedy. You know what I mean? You hear people talk about it like the first time they saw Animal House, where it was like, that was that's. You know what I mean? Uh, I think Ace Ventura was kind of that type of thing. And I think that I I get the feeling that old school or that era was kind of the end of that. You know, there's been a few since. I think 40-Year-Old Virgin was kind of a shot heard around the world. Uh, the Hangover was kind of a bridesmaids. But for the most part, I don't think that happens very much anymore. Yeah, and I would even argue that those movies are part of the family tree that's come out of this. Definitely. Like, you know, the hangover for sure, that it is, again, like regular guys being put into ridiculous situations. And similar thing with Bridesmaids, where it's like regular women having these like stupid, ridiculous things happen to them that are hilarious. And kind of like finding the humor in putting totally ludicrous things into very mundane situations to get the humor out of them. And I guess like that kind of earthquake you know, setting that uh, template, then that thing hasn't happened again, where, you know, some other kind of comedy movie has really broken through and said, ah, this is a new thing that people like. And now the the comedy that's come from old school and movies like that, it's so commonplace. It's like the kind of comedy that everybody expects when they see a comedy in the theater or anywhere. Yeah. Which to, to its credit, I think we're in need of a reset. Mm hmm. But comedy movies got really corporate. I think that they kind of just stopped letting funny people make make movies. And they started trying to convince us that, like, Zac Efron is hilarious. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, they started to be like, oh, well, this, like, I don't know. They, they've kind of just, like, really ruined the genre. I, I think comedy movies are kind of the worst genre of movies now, which is a bummer. But old school, man, that was when we were, when we were king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know. Zach Efron is not an everyman. He's not no. a dork, you know, and they're trying to kind of squeeze him into that mold. It's such a bummer. It's like, let him be a movie star. Right. He's not an everyman. He looks like a movie star. Have that guy jumping out of planes, shooting guys in the head. Yeah. Comedy is like, that's the beauty of it is every man is funny. Everybody thinks they can do comedy. You know what I mean? Everybody has a sense of humor. So it's like a lot easier to put Maybe more normal people. Because Zach, Zach Efron, I, I don't want this to be a shitting on Zach Efron podcast, but he does this thing where he like understands what the cadence is of humor. He, he can do like an approximation, but it doesn't quite seem, he doesn't quite get in there. You know what I mean? Right. And probably just like doing an impression of the people he's seen doing those things in movies that he's loved. Exactly. Because like you said, it's become the standard. So we all know what it looks like now. Yeah. That, I mean, again, I don't want to spend 
our entire time together talking about Zac Efron. But I think the problem with someone like that is, you know, coming from like a Disney background, when you turn into an adult, kind of like figuring, finding your way, figuring out where your niche is. And I don't think he's ever quite found it. I mean, he's doing all right. He has like a hundred million followers on Instagram, whatever. He's fine. Yeah, he's going to be fine. Um, But yeah, it's interesting seeing people. You can, you can almost hear the boardroom conversations happening behind a movie like that where it's just like oh god exactly exactly uh but this movie again like i i uh just focusing on will ferrell specifically for for a sec like you know going into this movie he wasn't a movie star this was like the thing that really got him on the road to being one of the biggest movie stars in the world hey had he done a movie? I guess he had done Night of the Roxbury before this. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the only one. But was that a hit? No. I don't, I don't think. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't think it's kind of a cult classic situation. Yeah. I think it was like a sketch on SNL that they overestimated how much, like they thought it was like Wayne's World or something. It's like, no, it's not that big. It's not that much of a phenomenon. Yeah. I think Wayne's World is probably the best SNL movie they could have stopped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it, like, I think that the model now of taking SNL people and letting them make things that are not, you know, ha- having Lauren Michael still involved, he's got his hands on everything that anybody's been on that show ever touches. But um, yeah, it's all Broadway video properties, right? Yeah. 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 But yeah, like Will, Will Ferrell, you can see that he is just like, I am going to do whatever. I am going to throw everything out there. I mean, literally, like, you know, running around naked for a good portion of the movie. We got to keep our composure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, by the way, not the main character of the movie. Right, right. Probably, probably third on the call sheet, I would imagine. Like, that def- that movie was definitely more about Mitch, Owen Wilson, and, and even Beanie to an extent, uh, Vince Vaughn. So it was, like, definitely the third down the list, but just, he lit it up, man. It was, like, because I think that, to me at least, the beauty of humor, I, I always view humor as like this thing where it's like, humor is humor works because things aren't perfect, right? If the world was perfect, we wouldn't, I don't really, really think need it that much. Like, so it's like humor is rough around the edges and it is, it is off balance and it's, it's not left of center and all these things. And I think that that character just like, man, he embodies it. You know what I mean? It's just, he's so fun to watch. And to watch him kind of like find himself in that movie, right? Because it's like, you see a guy, it's about a guy, a guy's bottoming out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in that, he just like, he just, he, he just really, really killed it. It's not it left of center and all these things. And I think that that character just like, man, he embodies it. You know what I mean? It's just, he's so fun to watch. And to watch him kind of like, find himself in that movie, right? Because it's like, you see a guy, it's about a guy, a guy's bottoming out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in that, he just like, he just, he, he just really, really killed it. I mean, like I said, when I, I remember seeing it as a kid and like, I was always, humor was always kind of my favorite thing. And I always knew I liked funny people the most or whatever. That was like what I was interested in. But watching that movie, you're just like, I just remember thinking like, I don't think it gets any better. This is, this is the best thing. This is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> we are going to take a teeny tiny microscopic break and then we'll be right back.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, also, just like the silliness of everything, just like not nothing about it feels like, you know, even the central story, the kind of romantic comedy uh, through line with Luke Wilson is just not given focus. It's not like it isn't like we need to have a heartwarming core here to center everything. It's like nobody gives a fuck. It's just silly, ridiculous from Start to finish. Which is also what I love because who fucking cares? I hate when they, like, I think that's another problem with, like, I think that's a big thing that, like, the Marvel universe has done to us where they're like, every movie has to be everything wrapped up in one. So every movie has to be a rom-com and dramatic and there's a hero story and is blah, 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 blah. And I, I, don't, I don't give a shit, man. I'm a grown-up. I can just watch a funny movie for an hour and a half. Like, I don't need to have, like, and I think that you get the feeling with old school that that was, like, maybe a Trojan horse. You know what I mean? Like, that maybe it was, like, the writers are like, oh, yeah, no, it's a rom-com. And then it's just, like, it's actually a fucking joke machine. Yeah. And I guess, you know, to uh, contradict myself, thinking about movies like The Mask, where that's just, like, fully you know, Jim Carrey going completely bananas and just being a clown. And this, even though it's totally ridiculous and really stupid, you still care about the characters. You still right. like, you're, you're invested in the characters and they feel like, you know, they're fully formed people, but they're just stupid as fuck and doing stupid things. I think it also speaks to the performance, right? I think they just, they got the right guys. And it's so funny. I mean, when I think about that movie, no disrespect to him, Luke Wilson isn't really what comes in my, up in my mind. Like, he was sort of like, you know, he was the main character of a movie. So he was very handsome and he kept the plot going. But, like, when I think about the characters that I care about or I'm interested, it was all Vaughn and Farrell. Like, that's, that's, they, they, even, even I don't really think about Jeremy Piven, who was very funny, but it was like, it's those, it's those two guys, man. Like, Jesus Christ. They, they just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And the Vince Vaughn in particular just, the uh it was unexpected that he was funny you know uh i guess you know if you'd seen swingers you could kind of see that he was capable of that but he hadn't been given any opportunities to do it and now i think that's probably what he's known for more than right anything. you get the feeling that you get you definitely get the feeling that this was his this was sort of his pivot right like like cuz i don't think that well, had he been in a lot of dramatic movies he did a lot of like smaller thrillers and stuff you know things that nobody cares about right right but nothing like he wasn't a leading man as no. far as drama goes mm -mm. but he's just such a good everyman yeah even though he's 17 feet tall <laughs> yeah i think will ferrell's pretty tall too isn't he i don't know yeah they're both really huge guys yeah but <laughs> you don't i think it is another credit to both of them that like it doesn't really come into your yeah no, you don't read it like that i guess most of the movies are in they don't actually focus on that as well but um right yeah and yeah just over the next decade the two of them just dominating making you know 
hit after hit after hit. And, you know, some of it's kind of in that same lane, but still just doing, I mean, I think Elf was right after this. Um, and that was the thing that like really put uh, Will Ferrell, you know, shot him into the stratosphere. Right, 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 right. Because Elf was for everybody. And then it was like, and I mean, I for, Will Ferrell movies, it's all the same plot and I love it. Yeah. Let me watch. I'll go watch him be a race car driver or a newsman or whatever, man. I <laughs> he does it well, you know. And and Vince Vaughn, you know, he's always the de facto leader. Always like he's always like the type of guy who's very like street savvy. You know what I mean? It's it's like it it, it all feels like offshoots of these characters, is what I'm saying. Yeah, like Will Ferrell's kind of the naive, like wild-eyed, you know, just getting himself into situations, kind of stumbling onto things. And Vince Vaughn's kind of like the knowing rye, like, oh God, you know, like scoffing at everything, shaking his head at everybody. You know what Will Ferrell does though that I love a lot in his movies is he's also super talented. Like all his, all his, all his protagonists are like, they also have like some kind of innate, like Ricky (laughs) Bobby was an idiot, but he could just drive the hell out of a car. Right. And Ron Burgundy was an idiot and he could read the news. And Buddy was just the best elf ever. But you, you know what I mean? Like this, like, I love the idea of like a stupid, talented person. That is great. Yeah. Yeah. And Will Ferrell also like having varying degrees of being like a, an idiot savant um, leaning on the idiot side. Like with this movie, he still feels like he's kind of a, you know. A normal guy who has a normal life and is not, you know, mostly a serious person. He was, and he was, it seems, he seems as though he was doing, but you're watching him kind of lean into the, like he doesn't, that, that thing, partying and being that guy, that's what he was good at ultimately. Right. And like, he was, he was playing the role for everybody else, but you kind of see him coming to his own. Like at the end, he's still living at that house. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the new, the new, new and you kind of like, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't a good husband or <laughs> like he, he had tried it, but like it was, it was ultimately, I guess being, uh, I don't know what you would call his title in that movie. Cause I don't think that you're allowed to just be in a fraternity forever. Or I don't know how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the term that gets thrown around a lot in reviews of this movie and in a lot of movies, comedies that came after it is man child. And, you know, it's that kind of thing that it's like, yeah, somebody somebody who's just like, you know, grown up has a life, but is still kind of like a mess and can't really, you know, f- figure out how to to be a, a grown up, even though they're doing it right. Which I think we all can uh, relate to somewhat, right? Right, yeah. I also, you know, Todd Phillips, who directed it, obviously like went on to direct The Hangover and stuff. And um, all of that, the success of The Hangover made those kinds of comedies even more prominent because like it made, you know, whatever, $800 million or something. I've also found out he didn't get a salary. He just got points. Oh, for old school? For that movie. And he made Fifty no for uh for the hangover he made fifty million dollars. I mean he must have seen it coming. Yeah. I mean old school it was like old school, but they knew it was gonna work, right? Right, right. Like the hangover was set to go, right? That was a rocket ship, I feel like. Yeah. Whereas old school, because I even I think about old school, I, I had watched something about the writer where it wasn't the script wasn't particularly great. 
Mm-hmm. It was like, I, I, oh, who wrote it? It was some guy who was like not a writer. Like he was almost like, like he he doesn't have other movies. So it was like, it was a situation where it was like, I think the script was okay, but then Todd Phillips and everyone else just really brought it to life. Right. And I think Todd Phillips read the story and thought exactly what you just said, that he was like, hmm, there's something here. Like, this is a little, this isn't very good, but we can make it good. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, just like the the stars aligning in just the right way, having all of these people filling their roles so perfectly and making this ball of craziness and silliness that people just really responded to. Yeah, it's just, oh God, it, it really killed me. And it was like, because this was before... It was like before Anchorman too, right? It was, it was, I, I'm trying to track if there was a movie like this before it. And like the other movies I didn't respond to as much as this one. It was just like, this was like a left turn. You know what I mean? It was just a whole new thing. Yeah. Which is an argument for making things that are surprising and keep, you know, trying to think of original ideas instead of just saying, this is what works. We'll keep doing it. I think it's the reason that there's comedy movies aren't very good right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of a, they tend to be kind of a bummer. Like the best comedy movies I've seen of late, I'm like, oh, that didn't suck, I guess. <laughs> like that's as good as I ever feel about it, you know? God. Well, here's here's <laughs> hoping for the uh, the next comedy revolution. Maybe there's something on the horizon. Someday there's a young Seth Rogen somewhere. Just waiting for his moment. Yeah. Or an old Seth Rogen, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Or... Yeah, he's, I, I, I still think that guy's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like that's a, a nice place to stop. I feel very satisfied. And you feel good? I feel good. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Thanks again to David for making time for me. Check out his podcasts, All Fantasy Everything, and My Mama Told Me. Okay. Quick spark of the week from me. So there's a new documentary on Netflix about Wham! And it is called Wham! Imaginative, right? But it's got lots of never-before-seen footage of the band and narration from both George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Now, look... Full disclosure, I really enjoyed watching this, but I don't know if it's the best documentary ever made. That said, seeing their creative process and especially getting some insight into George Michael's development as a songwriter, that was really special for me. I'm a huge George Michael fan and I don't know, I, I, celebrity is really fucking weird. You know, you build these one-sided connections with people you don't know and probably won't ever know, and they have such a profound impact on you, or, you know, at least they do for me. And that's especially true when it comes to musicians. Um, Music affects me so deeply, and the artists I love are part of my DNA. They, They define moments in my life in a way no other artists or art forms do. And when my favorite musicians die... It hits me really hard, and especially when that's unexpected. You know, 2016 was a really tough year in that respect. David Bowie and Prince both died, and I was really devastated. And then George Michael died right at the end of the year on Christmas, and I can remember sitting with my friends playing a game or something, and someone saw the news that he died, and it was just like the world stopped. You know, he was so young. I mean, you know, in relative terms, he was 53. 
but it was so shocking and I was really grief stricken. His music means so much to me and so did his visibility as a successful and really more importantly, happy gay musician. So watching this Wham! documentary was a joy uh, for me because I love their music. I love his music. And it also filled me with a lot of sadness. It just feels very weird to miss someone I never met. But uh, I do. Okay. Uh, sorry for getting a little emosh at the uh, end of an episode about comedy. Anyway, that is about it for this time around. Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade if you want to make my day. And until next time, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.